Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Foothills, how we doing? Good, good. It's warm outside today, huh? Yeah. Hey, while we're, while we're shouting out Pendleton, I wanna shout out a special crew that got out there while it was still dark out, while it was in the teens and unloaded the trailers to set up church over there. Can we say thank you to that crew over in Pendleton? Pendleton, glad you guys are joining us. Wanna welcome you if you're online as well. We've been walking through this series, Dead Weight. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at the life of King Saul. Uh, of the first king in Israel who had the right recipe and all the makeup to be a strong warrior king that Israel was wanting, but he had some issues in his life and, and in his, with his character that went unaddressed, that he didn't deal with, and they ended up ruining his life. And we've looked at a few of them a couple weeks ago. We talked about the dead weight of insecurity. Last week, Pastor Joseph talked about the dead weight of people pleasing. Can we say thanks to Pastor Joseph? It was awesome. He was filling in for me. I, you know, we, we, I, I wasn't here last week because a week and a half ago, Nick Saban retired, so I just needed a little time to recover. <laughs> and I um, appreciate your prayers as we're working, we're working through this. Now, Pastor Joseph, thanks. Incredible job. Today, we're gonna talk about the dead weight of impatience, something none of us struggle with in our lives. Waiting, waiting, waiting is hard. It is hard to wait. And we're just going to kind of get in the mood and find out how hard it is by looking at a few things that we love waiting in or for. Check out some of these pictures. Let's see. Mm. Waiting in traffic. I know that you don't like waiting in traffic because you chose to live in the middle of nowhere so that you didn't have to (laughs) wait in traffic. And for those that moved here from other places, I mean, you know, there is, there is like when people talk about traffic on Clemson Boulevard, you kind of smirk a little bit. It's like, yeah, that, yeah, that's, you could call that traffic. That's good. Okay, next one. Oh, this is like waiting in line at a restaurant. You know, that's, it's not super fun. Now I will say there's sometimes that there's like the right restaurant. It's like, I will wait uh, for the right restaurant. But the next place that, that there's a wait, I don't like waiting at the doctor's office. I don't know if, if you're like me, especially when people around you are like coughing, it's like, it's flu season right now. So I'm just, I am extremely uncomfortable through that weight. What's the next one here? Oh, the typing bubble, that bubble. Yeah, you know, you know. You know what's the worst? Is when it's there and then it goes away. And then it comes back and then it goes away again. You're just like, just, just send the text. What are you gonna say, you know? What's the next one? Oh, waiting on the pastor to finish his sermon. Okay. (laughs) You laughed the hardest at that one. So uh, we're going to work on patience today. We'll see how long I can go. (laughs) This will be good. No, waiting is hard, but especially, especially when there's some pressure involved in a situation, when we're needing to get to the result or to the end product quickly for some reason. What we're gonna see in this story, we're gonna open up 1 Samuel chapter 13. We're gonna see where King Saul was under immense pressure. And in that immense pressure, he was supposed to wait, but the pressure led him to do something that would have been easy for any of us to choose to do. 
Let's start at verse five. First Samuel 13, verse five, it'll be on the screens. The Philistines mustered a mighty army of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, check this out, and as many warriors as the grains of the sand on the seashore. That's a lot of people. There is a lot of people. And the Philistines are an enemy of Israel, okay? So this is an enemy that's getting geared up and ready for battle. They camped at Michmash, east of Bethaven. The men of Israel saw what a tight spot they were in, and because they were hard pressed by the enemy, they tried to hide in caves, thickets, rocks, holes, and cisterns. Some of them crossed the Jordan River and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilead. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal, and his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel didn't come. Now, Let's just pause right here. Samuel is the prophet of God, okay? So he's the mouthpiece for God. That's his role. Even while there's a king who is leading the people, there's still a prophet who would hear from God and he would give reports to the king and to the people. And so he's given a report to Saul that even even if there's pressure, I want you to wait, wait until I get there. And when Samuel would arrive, there was a role that was, that was distinct for the prophet or the priest in Israel where they would make a sacrifice to call on God for help. And so Saul is waiting at this place where Samuel told him so that Samuel could arrive and offer this sacrifice. But you can tell there's a lot of pressure. And as the day approaches, Samuel is not there. So Saul is feeling the weight of the pressure. It says, Samuel didn't come. Let's keep reading. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Just as Saul was finishing the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Now, pause. This was something Saul was not supposed to do. It was a role that was set aside for the priest or the prophet. This was Samuel's job, but Saul felt the pressure and he chose to do this. And and while we're reading this, because we're not in this context, it's easy to look at this and think this is not a big deal, but this was a huge deal because what it was is it was King Saul not trusting God's order of things. He was trusting in his own, like his own ability or strength to try and manipulate God's help instead of trusting that God's help, even if it's not in his timing, would be best for his life and best for the nation of Israel. He was stepping out of obedience. He was stepping into disobedience because he couldn't wait any longer. Fear led him under this pressure to a place of impatience and an action of disobedience. And and he was so close to the end. Like, did you hear what, what it just said when I was reading? That as he was finishing Like as he was finishing up, Samuel arrives. Now offering a burnt sacrifice, this was an animal sacrifice. This was a messy project. This was a messy order of worship. So literally what's happening in this moment is Saul is getting caught literally red-handed. Samuel's walking up. He is caught red-handed in the moment. Saul went out to meet him and welcome him. But Samuel said, what is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me and you didn't arrive when you said you would and the Philistines are at Michmash ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal and I haven't asked 
for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You've not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. And the individual Samuel's talking about there would be King David, would be an incredible king in Israel. Of all the dead weights we've been looking at, impatience is the one that costs Saul the most. This step out of obedience and not waiting on God is what led to him missing the long-term blessing of being the king in Israel and his family line continuing in that legacy. Like Samuel said, the Lord would have established this forever, but instead it's coming to an end. This is the end because he couldn't wait on God. Impatience, it ruined Saul's life. It ruined his trust in God and his relationship with God. And it will do the same in your life and in my life. Impatience, in times of pressure, if it leads us to actions of disobedience and if it leads us to decisions that are quick and hasty, man, it will ruin your life and it will ruin my life. So I wanna look at a couple of things that we can learn from King Saul and learn from this example and this story that can help us when we're in situations in life where we're having to wait. Number one is this, doing things the right way is worth the wait. Doing things the right way is worth the wait. When we are in a waiting season, we tend to calculate the cost of what it's gonna take to wait. And then we, while we're waiting, we're really good at painting worst case scenarios. Are you like me in that? Like where we start getting anxious and we start worrying and, and we start thinking about things that could happen that might not even happen, but we start to calculate all the cost of what happens if we wait, if we don't act now. But what we don't do is when we choose to think about the shortcuts we could take, we just think about quick relief in those shortcuts. We don't tend to calculate that shortcuts actually come with a cost as well. That when you and I take a shortcut in the waiting that God has placed us in, there is a cost inside of that shortcut. And we don't think about that because right now in our world, we are in a results now world. I mean, we can get what we want we can get access to who we want really quickly, really quickly. And, and it continues to speed up. Amazon wasn't fast enough, so we went to Amazon Prime because I'm not gonna wait a few days for it to ship. I need it to be able to be here today when I order it. I want it on my doorstep. And you know what? It takes too long to get my car and go to the restaurant, so I'm gonna get this app called DoorDash and they're gonna bring it to me and it's gonna be here really quick. And if it's not quick, they're getting my review that it wasn't good enough. And then, you know, going to the grocery store and spending time going through the produce and picking out the items and figuring out that is, that is exhausting. I mean, goodness. And then I might have to wait in line to, to pay. And, and so now I'm just gonna kind of jump Instacart. It can show up on my doorstep and, it, and it's super quick. We, are in a, we can get results right away, but there's a cost associated with that. So I wanna give you a couple examples. These couple examples, this is not a right or wrong scenario. So don't, don't read into what I'm saying. I just wanna show you that there's a cost to shortcuts. Like practically, there is a cost 
two shortcuts. I, I listened to a podcast, uh, a finance podcast, and these guys were basically looking at spending habits and inflation together. And, and what they were trying to help the listener understand is that a lot of our money problems, we might look at inflation and blame everything on inflation, but we actually may have habits that are bad that are actually costing us more than, than inflation. And so what they did is they did a really, a, a really cool study. This was four months ago that they did this. So not a ton has changed since then, but they, they went to a few stores and they, they grabbed some items that you and I might get at the grocery store all together. I'm gonna tell you, it's a gallon of milk, loaf of bread, two pounds of rice and a dozen eggs. Okay, gallon of milk, loaf of bread, two pounds of rice, a dozen eggs. And they looked at the cost of these. So they went to grocery store number one and it, it's a grocery store that's here in the upstate. In over, it's over in Pendleton. It's here in Seneca. It's one that you and I have access to. And at this grocery store, the price for all of those was $8.30. Okay. Then they upped the scale just a little bit and went to a nicer grocery store that also exists right here in the upstate. And, you know, in Seneca is one over in, in, in you know, Pendleton area as well, Anderson in that area as well. Same items, different store. Look at the price, $12.30. Now, this isn't a lot of items, but if you start to play that out, that's almost a 50% increase. That's a, that's a pretty big difference. Regardless of inflation, that spending habit is... Now, <laughs> this is where it gets fun. We're gonna look at the cost of Instacart for these exact same items from grocery store number two. Check it out. 22 bucks. And it's all, it's like hidden in there, by the way. Like when you're on their app shopping, their price is already marked up. Like they're, they're working in things because, hey, you're paying for the convenience. Again, not right or wrong. Maybe the time is more valuable for you in a specific scenario or in this season of life. But the important principle here is to understand that taking shortcuts comes with a cost. There is a cost with shortcuts, and if we're flippant about it, it can actually end up causing problems in our life. And this is actually in Scripture. Proverbs 21.5 says this, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Like there was a plan for King Saul. He needed to wait. He needed to trust God. And, and listen, waiting we're just gonna call waiting hard work. That's hard work. Waiting is hard work. It's easier to take the shortcut and relieve ourselves from the pressure of a situation, especially in Saul's situation where he's the king and, the, and he's worried about losing influence as the king. He's worried about losing his men, losing this battle. And so in the pressure, it's easy to abandon the plan. It's hard work to wait. But when we take hasty shortcuts, man, there is a cost that is associated with that. You know, the, the Instacart story is a, a money example, but, but it can also cost us time when we're quick. When we are in a hurry, hurry can rob us of making wise decisions and slowing down to make right or better decisions. I had this play out as well over, over the, the Christmas break. My family uh, came down with the flu that's going around. It was brutal. This is like the sickest we've been in, I don't know, a few years. There was 10 straight days that somebody in our house had a fever, 10 straight days. So, and my wife's pregnant and I am more miserable with a fever than a pregnant wife. I'm just gonna admit that and confess that 
I'm going to confess that now. I am a miserable, sick person, okay? So we're, we've, we've been sick multiple days, and, and my family uh, back in Tennessee, my mom's like, hey, we, we, you know, we were talking, there was this medicine that my sister had taken while she was pregnant that it relieves the symptoms. I mean, it's not gonna cure everything, but it just, it relieves the symptoms, and it's, it's completely um, natural and healthy, so Katie can take it while she's pregnant. It's, the girls can even take it. I can take it. They're like, you know, it's a, it's a natural medicine. It's really good, you get it over the counter, really easy, but the catch is they only have this medicine at Whole Foods. All right, so, like, okay. Well, I need relief any way I can get it. Whole Foods is in Greenville, okay? All right, I can do this. So, I mean, I like, I bundle up, I get in my car, I've got, I mean, I'm feverish. It was the most miserable hour drive ever. It was like one of those where you turn on the heat, you start sweating. <laughs> you turn on the air, you have cold chills. And it's like back and forth and back and forth. And I'm just like, uh, like, and, and when I finally get down there, I mean, I, I, I probably look very suspicious because I pull the hoodie over my head. Like I'm walking around, just like, I don't want to see anybody. And then I got to FaceTime my wife because that's what I do every time I go to the grocery store because I don't know how to find anything. <laughs> FaceTiming her, where's the medicine? Look for pharmacy. I don't know what that means. It's like looking everywhere. Finally, finally I find the medicine. and I don't even remember the name of it. Um, but grab the medicine, go home. It worked. It was great. It, we, we, we felt much better. I mean, it didn't, it didn't like fix everything, but we felt much better. A couple days later, telling a friend about it. And they're like, oh, yeah, that medicine? Yeah, we get that right here at Walmart in Seneca. It's a true story. Walmart and Seneca. <laughs> I'm gonna read that Proverbs verse again. Good planning, hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Man, when we get in a rush, we get hasty. Like there's a cost associated with this hurry can rob us of wisdom. Like that is such a silly example. Again, that's not right or wrong, but think about all the right or wrong things in your life that you cave into pressure because you're trying to, to shortcut your way to a result and it actually comes with a greater cost. There is something you lose in the result when you take a shortcut. And it's not just the result itself. You wanna know something else? There's something that you lose in you when you get to the result, if you take a shortcut. Because a lot of times, God will allow you to be in a season of waiting because he is wanting to teach you something. God will allow you to go through a waiting season because he is building up who you need to be when the result arrives. Like, I love this quote by Martin Lloyd-Jones. It says this, the worst thing that can happen to a man is to succeed before he's ready to succeed before he's ready. A lot of times when we take a shortcut, we might get into a position or a situation in life that we didn't take the proper process to prepare for or to allow God to prepare us for. There's actually a story in the New Testament where, where this takes place. It was, a, it was a story that Jesus told as an illustration, the story of the prodigal son. It's a popular story. You've probably heard this story a ton of times, but maybe you've never heard it from a perspective of the impatience that the prodigal son had. What he wanted was he wanted his dad's inheritance and he wanted those results now. He didn't want a process of waiting until later in life. Check this out, Luke 15, verses 11 and 12 says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. 
The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now, before you die. I want it now, before you, I want the result now, before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. And if you've heard the story, you know that he takes the wealth, he, he gets the wealth, he reaches that pinnacle of what he was hoping for before he was ready and he goes and squanders it all on wild living. Squanders it all. And he, I mean, when he takes it, he, he leaves his father's out like he's gone. He was, he was working there alongside his brother. This was his father's estate. They were close and he wanted the money and he wanted to run. Basically, here's, here's basically what he's saying to his dad. Dad, I would rather it be today as if you were already dead and gone. I would rather it already be where I've got my inheritance and I'm free from responsibility at this place anymore. I'd rather rush the process. And his, and his dad in, 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 in love and, 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 and just in grace of, hey, it's, you're gonna do what you're gonna do. He allows him to take it, but it was before the prodigal son was ready and he goes and squanders all of it. See, we want, we want to land at the results. It's because we watch, we watch around us, we watch people land at different results in life. But so many incredible achievements, positions, situations in life, so many of those results come after a long season of waiting that you didn't really get to see through that process. Like you see someone land in a situation, you see a degree, that they got, or, or you see a career move, or a job that opened, or, or you see a relationship that's solid and, and healthy, a marriage that, that, that has finally come together, and, and you're, like, you're looking at the results, a family, or you see a purchase, a home, or a car, like, and you look at these things, and you're like, man, that is all, I want that now. Look, again, we're in a results now world. I want that now. So you start to try to think about the shortcuts you could take to go ahead and get that now, but you don't know the process that it took for that individual to get there. You don't know what maybe God allowed or worked out in their life so that he could prepare in them what they needed for when they arrived in that situation. See, Saul Saul was forfeiting not just the results of being a king, but what he was proving to God is that he was not gonna go through the process to be the type of humble king that waited on God that Israel needed. And that's why God said, there's, there's another one, it's, it's David. David's gonna be the one who waits on me. David's gonna be the one who depends on me, who leans on me. Saul proved that he wasn't willing to allow the hard work of what God wanted to do in him in the waiting and so he did things the wrong way because he didn't want to wait. Let's go back to the story, 1 Samuel 13. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You've not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom must end. What he did is an impulse. He took a short-term relief from the pressure. He took the exit ramp to catch that short-term relief and, and he forfeited a long-term blessing. That's the second thing we're gonna learn from this story is this. Long-term blessing, 
Long-term blessings are greater than short-term relief. Say that again. Long-term blessings are greater than short-term relief. A lot of times, we look at a situation and think, if I wait, I won't receive the blessing. Like, if I wait, I may never get an opportunity like this again. Or, or if I wait, I'll never get married. Or I'll never have a, a family of, of my own. Or if I wait, the, the home prices are just gonna keep going up and up and up and up. And if I don't buy right now, I'm gonna be priced out completely and, and I know I'm not ready, but if I wait, I definitely will never be ready. Or if I wait, if I wait, that, that car is not gonna be available anymore in that color or that one that I really, like if I wait, I'm, I might miss, I might miss it. And so we take short-term relief, but what we do, again, there's a price associated we forfeit long-term blessings in our life, just like Saul did. There's a story in the Old Testament that illustrates this. It's the story of two brothers, Jacob and Esau. You may have heard of this story, but Esau was the older brother of the two. And at this time in Israel, the, the oldest son, he had a birthright that gave him a double share of the inheritance in the family. And it wasn't just like the possessions that was a double share. It was like a double share of the influence, the spiritual leadership in the family, like the responsibility that was there. This was, a, this was a very esteemed position in the family. It was a very important position in the family. It came with, I mean, a ton of blessings, long-term blessings. But there was a specific day where Esau had been out hunting and he comes home and Jacob had, had, had some stew that was there and it smelled so good to Esau, and he was starving, he was so hungry, and he's talking to his brother like, hey, I want some stew, and his brother took advantage of this opportunity to deceive his older brother, and Jacob tells him, I'll give you a bowl of stew if you give me your birthright. Like, if you give me the long-term blessing, I'll give you the short-term relief of this bowl of stew. And Esau, he does it. He takes the relief of the stew in this moment, and he ends up forfeiting the blessing of the birthright long-term. I mean, this, and this, this was like, the, if you read, this is in the book of Genesis. If you read this story, there's like a brokenness in their relationship. There's a brokenness in Esau that takes place as well when he realizes not just that he was deceived, but that this birthright's gone and, and he can't get it back. In fact, in, in um, Hebrews, in the New Testament, it's, it talks about this. Hebrews 12, 16, 17, it says, Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance at that point, even though he begged with bitter tears. Like even though he begged, like I want it, like there was no going, he took the short-term relief and he forfeited the long-term blessing. And he had to think about that over and over again for a bowl of stew, for a bowl, and that sounds so silly, but how many times do we do that in our life where in hindsight we look back and say, man, I thought that was gonna be so important to me then, but that was just short-term relief and it's robbed me of so many long-term blessings that I cannot go, go back and get. I can't go back and get them. 
and I, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking of the, the temptations, like the, the shiny temptations that, that lure us to take shortcuts. Maybe it's, maybe it's a possession or, or a purchase that we, that, we, that we take a shortcut on because we want the relief of what that can bring now or you know, maybe, maybe there's areas in our career that we jump into things too quickly. Because again, we want the relief or, or the status or, but also relationships. I mean, think about in relationships where we wanna take shortcuts from, God, from God's way of, of, of doing things. That God designed us to, to wait to be with one person after we have made a covenant and a commitment in marriage, but there's that temptation to take the short-term relief of, of, our, of our natural desires towards sex. And so, so many, so many, so many times, it, it is like so tempting and so many people, like we take that short-term and we can't, we can't take that action back. Like it, it's gone once these decisions are made where we take the short-term relief and we forfeit so many of the long-term blessings that God's got on the other side of trusting him and his way and his obedience. We take, we take a forfeit, but it's not just the shiny examples. I started to think about some of the sad ways that the enemy tempts you and me as well. Like when we're going through times of, of really struggling, maybe with anxiety or depression, or if you've dealt with mental health at any point in your life, there's less shiny examples where the enemy is tempting you to take short-term relief, to relieve that feeling of anxiety, to relieve that feeling of brokenness or loneliness. Maybe it's an addiction that's gonna give short-term relief, but that addiction just keeps swinging back and biting back and biting back and it's robbing you of the long-term blessing of saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna let this control me. I'm gonna lean into God's way because I want the long-term blessing. I don't, I don't want what this is gonna bring me today. And it's not just addictions. I mean, there's, there's, there's things that, are, that the enemy is even tempting tempting our, our generation, our world with now, with self-harm and, and even suicide. And I just wanna say to you, like if you're in a, in a place where you feel broken or, or, or filled with anxiety or depression today and you're listening at any of the campuses online, if you're here in the room and you're dealing with this, I wanna encourage you. Maybe you hear nothing else I say today. I wanna encourage you, please, 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 please do not make a permanent decision over a temporary problem in your life. Like if Esau could have a word with all of us, he'd say, don't make a permanent decision over a temporary problem. You will continue to regret that decision. Don't make a permanent decision over a temporary problem. That short-term relief, it's not greater than the long-term blessing of sitting back. And, and so if you're in that situation, I just wanna encourage you. After, like we're gonna have prayer teams here. If you're online, would you just reach out? We would love to encourage you. We would love to come alongside you in the waiting. We would love, we would love to pray with you. We would love to point you to scriptures that can help. Because actually waiting, see, we, we think of waiting as, as something that feels passive. And so it, it, it feels pressure because we feel stuck, like we can't do anything. But in the kingdom of God, waiting is not a passive activity. It's actually an active activity. While we are waiting, God is doing work. Check out what it says in Isaiah. It says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their, what's that word? All right, we're gonna do that again. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their, Amen. amen. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. 
They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Listen, all of that is the opposite of what we feel like is happening and waiting. While we're waiting, we are weary. But God is teaching us in this moment that we're gonna be able to run even though we're weary because he's renewing our strength. If you are in a season of waiting right now, you need to know that God is doing an incredible work to make you stronger than you were before. God is doing an incredible work. God wanted to bring strength to King Saul while he was waiting. But King Saul didn't rely on God's strength. Instead, he chose to try to take his own route. We go back, remember week one, we talked about an insecurity. What Saul needed to recognize that is that he needed to embrace his weaknesses so that he could see God's strength. Waiting is a season where we're gonna embrace our weaknesses where we're going to be tempted to try to take matters into our own hands with our own strength. But if we'll embrace the waiting, God will renew our strength with his strength. And he'll do an incredible work in our life. Long-term blessing is so much greater than short-term relief. Long-term blessing is so much greater than short-term relief. I, I was... I was saying, I really believe that like waiting is something that it, it affects us all. <laughs> we all have seasons of wait. If you're not waiting for something right now, you're just waiting until the next time that you're waiting for something because you will be waiting at different seasons in your life. And I don't, I don't know what it is that, that you're waiting on. I don't know if it's a hope in your life for you personally. Maybe, maybe you're waiting on a hope for a loved one. Maybe when you hear the prodigal son story, like you're thinking, man, my waiting is kind of like the father in that story. I'm waiting for that family member that I, that I love, that I've been waiting on to wake up and, and return home. I don't know if you're waiting on a relationship, if you're waiting on God's provision in an area in your life. I don't know, I don't know what it is, and maybe, maybe you're, Maybe you're not in a season of waiting, but I think there's three groups of us today. I think there's a group that's in a waiting season. And what I wanna do in a moment is I want to encourage you in this waiting season to stay the course, to stay the course and receive God's renewal of your strength. I wanna encourage you to, to look at the temptation of those shortcuts that are only gonna provide you temporary relief and stay the course and trust God for what you're waiting for. I wanna encourage you, I wanna pray that over you in a moment. There's, there's others though that you're, you're maybe looking and, and you're kinda like, man, um, I didn't wait. I took this step when I should've waited. I, I took this step when I should, I made this decision when I should've waited and, and, you're, and you're feeling a bit like, man, I, I, can't, I can't get some of those blessings back. I can't get some of those decisions back and, and you're, feeling, you're feeling broken. I wanna look at a scripture in just a moment to encourage those of you. Because in this story of King Saul, when Samuel approaches him, instead of being honest and owning his decision on himself, what he did, look at it with me, he passes blame. He didn't choose to take ownership himself. Look at this. It says, but Samuel said, 
what is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines are at Michmash ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal and I haven't even asked the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. He's, he's looking at Samuel like, where were, like you didn't show up when you were supposed to. He was never willing to just hit it and say, you know what? I blew it. I, I blew it. I blew it. What do I do now? How can I receive God's help now? Because I blew it. I stepped outside. I stepped outside of, of obedience. I stepped outside of what God asked me to do. What do I do? He didn't do that. He didn't have a broken or repentant heart. And that was the biggest issue with Saul throughout his life of all these areas. When he felt insecure, he never really repented from his insecurity. When he struggled with people pleasing, he never really repented from that activity. When he struggled with impatience, he never really repented from that activity. He continued to try to muster up his strength on his own and say, I can do this without God. I don't have to be broken and, and come back and say, God, I need your help. On the flip side, in the, in, in the story of the prodigal son, I wanna, I wanna show you the heart of the prodigal son when he returns. Because he doesn't come back to his father's house with excuses. After he goes and squanders everything, look at how he returns, and then I want you to pay attention to the heart of the father who is receiving his son when he returns home. Let's look at this. It says, his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. I mean, do you hear the, the brokenness, the authenticity in that statement? Like polar opposite of Saul, no excuse here. And even just recognizing like, my, work, my position has changed. I'm no longer even worthy of being called your son. I've sinned against both heaven and you. But his father said to the servants, in this story, the father doesn't send him off and say, nope, you forfeited the ability to be here in my house anymore. No, what he says is he says, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. And so I want to say to you, to those of you who feel like you blew it, and you didn't wait. This is a path and a picture of God's love if you will repent and come to him and say, I've sinned. I've sinned. God, would you restore our relationship? Would you restore what's been broken in my life? Would you restore what's been broken about the future of my blessings and the heart of your father as he's waiting with a party already for you? He cannot wait until you come forward and say, I need you, God, I've sinned. So if you've blown it, there's hope. That's the second group. One of, one of, one of the groups is waiting. One of the groups feels like you've blew, blown it. Maybe you're in both camps. Maybe you're waiting for something and you've blown it. And you need to work on both today or deal with both today, but there's a third group. And the third group is the picture that we read in Hebrews the way that Esau, he came back and begged with bitter tears, but there was, there was no path back. 
And this is the group that I, I just want to have a real conversation and say, what God is allowing us to see is a picture of those who will reject Jesus Christ as their savior here on earth while they're alive. They will reject the right that Jesus offers them, their birthright into heaven, their birthright to be adopted as a son or a daughter of our creator, God. And they will have rejected that for the short-term relief that exists in this world. The short-term temptations that pull our eyes and our hearts away from God here in this world. And after this life, when, when your life's required of you, my life's required of me, those who have rejected that, there will be bitter tears of begging, God, would you, would you have mercy? And God will say, I have had mercy the whole time. But you rejected me. You rejected my long-term blessing. And you chose the short-term relief. And I just want to be honest about that group because I want to give you a chance today to not be in that group anymore to choose today to say, you know what? I need Jesus Christ and I want him to save me and I'd rather be in the camp with the group like the prodigal son. I do not want to spend an eternity apart from God. So at all of our campuses, could we, could we pray together? Could we pray together? As we're praying, I'm, I'm gonna kick it back over. Pastor Joseph, you can take over there in Pendleton and pray over the Pendleton campus. While I'm praying, I'm going to ask our prayer teams to go ahead and make their way forward as well. So I'll be up here until we pray. Let me pray for you. I want to first pray for the camp that's in a waiting season. If you are in a season of waiting right now, would you do me something brave? Would you, would you lift your hand across the room so that I can see you? You can hold it up high. If you're in a waiting season right now, just hold that hand up. Yep, hands all over the room. It's good. Yep. Let me pray for you. Isaiah 40, 31. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. God, would you renew the strength of every single hand that went up and every single hand that didn't go up but that is waiting right now. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Lord, what I, what I see there is a picture of freedom. It's weightless. <laughs> it's weightless. And so the weight like the physical weight of waiting right now that's a burden over those that are waiting. Lord, I just pray you take that weight. You tell us to come to you, all of us who are heavy burdened, and you'll give us rest. I just pray you'd lift that off right now. Shall run and not be weary. Lord, free them up from the weary days and the weary nights, the sleepless nights, Lord. They shall walk and not faint. God, I just pray strength over those that are in a waiting season. Would you renew their strength? Would you keep their eyes on the fact that, God, you're working in this waiting and you're preparing them for what you're having them wait on and your long-term blessing is better than them taking a shortcut in this waiting process. And then if you're in a camp where you're like, man, I was supposed to wait, but I blew it. I blew it in an area of my life and I haven't owned that yet with God. Listen, you're not gonna be alone. I'm in that camp in areas of my life as well. And so what I want you to do is I want you to do something bold so I can pray for you. Would you, would you lift your hand right where you're at? If, if you feel like, man, I stepped ahead and I didn't wait for God like I should have in that area. If you'd be bold enough to lift your hand, I'd love to pray for you. 
This is just an action like the, like the prodigal son. It's just admitting I've sinned and that act of humility. Listen, what the scriptures say is it says that God gives grace to the humble but he opposes the proud. The act of humility of you lifting your hand right now, you are already receiving grace of God in this moment. You are already receiving the grace of God in this moment. So God, I pray that you would just fill them with your love today, that they would see how loved they are, how gracious you are, and they would have a picture of the party that you're throwing them right now in heaven, the party that you are preparing for them. God, I thank you that you are a God who restores the things that are broken. You redeem the things that have been lost. So Lord, I pray for every hand that went up during this time and the hands that didn't yet. Continue to bring restoration and redemption. And then if you're in the group that has never received Jesus, you've never confessed that you're a sinner and that you need him to save you so that you can spend an eternity with him in heaven and receive the long-term blessing of a relationship with your creator. The Bible says that there is no way other than Jesus. Jesus is the one that said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, I want you to do something bold. I want you to lift your hand right where you're at. If you would lift it high, I'd love to lead you in a prayer right where you're at. If today's the day that you'd say, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ, I wanna follow him from this moment forward. You could join me in a prayer like this. Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner. I confess that I've, I've chosen the short-term relief of the things of this world instead of fully trusting you. And so today, I just ask that you would save me from my sins. I believe that you came here. I believe that you lived a perfect life, that you never caved under the pressure, and that you died for my sins on the cross. And I believe God raised you from the dead, so... Today, I ask you to save me and I commit to follow you from this day forward. It's in your mighty name we pray, amen.